Hello, and welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of KALW in San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that began at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Today, we're going to sample the best in Bay Area philosophical thought with a lineup of world-renowned guests from two of the world's most renowned universities, Stanford and Berkeley. We're going to stage the radio and philosophical equivalent of one of the Bay Area's premier annual sporting events, the big game. Oh, John, that's not quite right. We're not going to hold a philosophical smackdown. It's more a celebration of the rich intellectual cornucopia that the Bay Area has to offer. Well, for some people, Ken, the philosophical conversations are like armed combat, or at least an intellectual football game. And the goal is to score debating points. But, of course, that's never been our approach. That's exactly right, John. We view philosophy as collaborative, not competitive. We see our friends from across the bay as partners rather than rivals in the pursuit of truth and wisdom. And we especially regard you, our listeners, in the same way. You're our partners. Our partners in shedding light rather than heat on the discussion of issues of both topical and enduring social, cultural, scientific even spiritual significance. We've been thinking about these issues together for over seven years now in KLW. During that time, we've drawn on the great intellectual wealth that the Bay Area has to offer, including from two of our leading institutions of higher learning and from you, our deeply thoughtful and reflective listeners. There's another partner that deserves special mention, Ken, this terrific radio station. Without KALW, Philosophy Talk wouldn't even exist. And all of us. Whether we wear Berkeley's gold and blue, or Stanford's cardinal and white, or the colors of some other school or no school colors at all, we all owe this fine radio station a debt of gratitude. When the big game rolls around, our two teams fight to the finish. And we fans have to pony up and choose sides. But when it comes to philosophy talk and to supporting KALW, we're all in it together. Still, John, in keeping with the spirit of this day, I don't suppose that there's any harm in a little lighthearted competition among philosophical friends, is there? So we'd like to invite you, our listeners, to support your philosophical collaboration with us by helping us to support this jewel of a radio station. What we'll do is give you a sampler of the best and brightest that both Cal and the farm have offered over these airwaves. And what you can do is show pride in your alma mater by donating to this station in your school's name, whether it be Cal or Stanford or USF or Cal State San Jose or any other of our great Bay Area institutions or the University of Oklahoma or Nebraska, if that's where you're listening from. Okay, John, enough with the pregame ceremonies. Let's get out of the way and bring out the combatants. Here they are, your starting lineups for the Cal Stanford Philosophical Smackdown of 2010. From Stanford, Provost and philosopher John Echimedi discussing the very idea of a university. Representing Berkeley, psychologist Allison Gopnik discussing the minds of babies. From the Cardinal, psychologist Laura Karstensen discussing aging and the well-lived life. Also from Stanford, Cognitive linguist Lara Borodisky discussing language and thought. And from the Bears, that grizzly of a philosopher John Searle discussing social reality. The coin is being tossed. Ah, it appears Berkeley gets the ball first. Cal alum Julie Napolin, our very own roving philosophical reporter, hit the UC campus. There she found someone who embodies something deeply ingrained in the Berkeley ethos the spirit of political dissent and civil disobedience. She files this report. It's hard to think of UC Berkeley without thinking of civil disobedience. 
1964, when the university banned all political activity on campus, Mario Savio took his famous stand against censorship before a crowd of 4,000 people, just before being arrested. There's a time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. The Berkeley campus has changed over the years, and so have the machines. Today, most students milling around campus listen to iPods or talk on cell phones. This makes it hard to hear the free speech coming at them from one local street performer, Stoney Burke. You know they say this is the melting pot, where the scum rises to the top. iPod person, iPod person, come back. Her iPod's more important. In 1977, Stoney started yelling about politics and daily life on the campus plaza. I didn't really get radicalized until I got arrested for doing it. He began performing each week and was arrested more times than he can count. While he was just being uncivil and disruptive, the police continued to arrest him. In the beginning, it would be something like uh, vagrancy or begging, or, you know, just some kind of hassle thing. And it just kind of reinforced, I think, something very fundamental in me and all of us that you have to have a person out there talking. No, not blogging, not making a giant movie, not, you know, brandishing a gun, but just somebody talking outside. There's no security guards. There's no ticket to get in. You know, it sort of breaks the codes. Tedford resign! When people with headphones walk by, he blows his whistle just outside class windows. That and his bellows disturb classes. The noise is not just disruptive. For Stoney, it's about breaking social codes to demonstrate their injustice. Whether you're playing a folk song or whether you're juggling or whether you've got a three-person comedy group or a women pop singer, whatever it is on the street, there's so many restrictions people are really discouraged from doing it. Sometimes, students crowd around Stoney, and he creates a temporary community free from those restrictions. He hopes students will get so annoyed, they might become more disruptive, too. My whole concept of just get them in a circle. Once you do that, it's all over. They've created their community. If you'll gather around me, children, a story I will tell. I guess Woody Guthrie is the closest thing I've ever seen. That if you could ever get Woody Guthrie into a comedic, satiric box and get that's what he'd do. He'd travel around, he'd sing his songs about the rights of people. Here's a Christmas dinner for the families on release. Stoney says his job is to just keep ranting about the rights of people and being as loud as possible until conditions change. It's a slow thing. You know, it's definitely not a mass media thing. It's something where even in the first time you look at me, you go, oh, who's the homeless guy yelling? This is just what they warned me about in Berkeley. And I think it gives them courage to see one people go on a rant about something that they feel passionate about. You know, we're always told to keep it under control. And, you know, keep the, with what little credibility I have flowing through my veins like the Rio Grande, I'll tell you right here, we need to recall all the politicians. That's right, round them up. Stoney continues to rant and rave. These days, officers walking by pause to give him a stern look and then saunter away. I'm not invited here. No one said, Stoney, you can be here. A, a list of arrests would back up the fact that they really don't want you here. On the other side, I try to train myself to get in, you know, the dream of having a revolution. We're still waiting, waiting, waiting on the world to For Philosophy Talk, I'm Julie Napolin.
I'm John Perry, and with me is Ken Taylor. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.